Anybody. Just anybody will do it. Good morning, church. Welcome. Let's, let's begin our time together encouraging one another from God's Word. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to read... Uh, we're going to read Deuteronomy 13, verse 4, aloud to each other. So as we get that pulled up on the screen, we'll be... Uh, huh. Well, let me read it to you then. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. This is Deuteronomy 13, 4. You must follow the Lord your God and fear him. You must keep his commands and listen to him. You must worship him and remain faithful to him. And that's what we're gathered to do. Amen? All right, let's sing this together. Sing this together. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. Though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me. World's all as it should be, blessed be your name. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. There's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll Turn back to praise when the darkness closes in, Lord. Still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be the name. Give and take away, give 
gather together to worship. Let's encourage one another with these words. We love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. I will serve the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. I will serve the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. I will serve the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. I will love you. I will love you. Ladies Echo. I will love you. I will praise you. I will praise you. I will serve you. With all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength, I will love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. I will love the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. I will love you, Lord, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. Amen. Amen. He is worthy of all that love. Have, have, grab, grab a seat. Well, good morning. Welcome to Hebron Baptist Church. 
We exist to glorify God by inviting every person to take their next steps toward Christ. My name is Alan, and it is so great to join together this morning and worship together. What an honor and joy it is to gather in the house of the Lord. Well, if you're a guest here today, we are so glad that you're here. We want to extend a special welcome to you. Thank you so much for coming out, either in person or online. We're so glad that you're here, and we'd love to get to know you. One way we can do that is through a Connect card. It looks like this. This card is in the seat in front of you. If you would pull this out and fill this out, this will let us know how we can be praying for you, how we can serve you. And then after service, if you exit through these central doors and turn left, you'll see our next steps desk. There you can turn this card in, meet someone who would be happy to answer any questions that you may have, and also give you a free gift. So welcome to our guests. We are so glad that you are here today. Well, in just a moment, we're going to transition to a time of prayer. And as we do, I just ask that we all prepare our hearts for an act of worship we'll have later in the service, and that's our time of giving of our offerings. So that'll happen later in the service. But before we pray, I just need to share something. I'm sad to share that Michelle Bond passed away this last week. Michelle was an amazing, sweet member of this church, and we are devastated. We're so sad missing her, but we can also rejoice that she's with our Savior. She has gone ahead of us and is at peace now with Christ, so we praise God for that. But we still mourn her loss. So we just ask that you would be uh, praying for the Bond family, reaching out to Carolyn, Michelle's mother, and just ministering in, in this time. So we'll, we'll now pray for them. So please join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for another day that we get to come and worship you. You are king in the low times and in the great times. You are king. You're present with us, and we give you thanks. You are our portion. No matter what may come, you give and you take away, and you are good, and you're worthy of our praise. This morning, we lift up to you our core value of meaningful membership. And what that means is that we get to come together as committed members of this body, and we have brothers and sisters that we can walk through the low and the good times of life together. We thank you, Lord, for the work of Christ, that his death and resurrection and calling a bride to himself means that we get to be a part of a big body, and here, a local body. And so, Lord, as a local body of believers, we lift up to you the Bond family now. We, we mourn the loss of our sister, Michelle, but we thank you that you welcome her home to your presence and that she is with you now. We pray for Michelle's mom, Carolyn. We pray for other members of the family, that you would be so close to them in this time. And we ask that you would use us as a body just to shower your love and support and blessing onto this amazing family. So, Lord, please be with the Bond family now. Lord, this morning, we not only pray for ourselves, but we pray for the amazing family of the Richards. We thank you for Chris and Rhonda, Hannah and Kinley, this family who you have called from our midst with a calling to international missions, and now they're serving you as IMB missionaries in Argentina. Thank you for the Richards. We continue to pray that you would bless them, that you would bless their ministry in Argentina. Lord, we ask that you would bless the relationships that they're making with those around them, that these relationships would develop into gospel relationships where they share your good news with those around them, and that you, your Holy Spirit, would just use them to do a mighty work. We pray for churches to be planted. We also just continue to pray for their practical transition. We think of Hannah and Kenley making friends and doing school and still a new environment. We ask that you would provide for them, be with them, comfort them. Holy Spirit, please bless the Richard family. Thank you so much for them. 
And finally, Lord, we come to you uh, grateful for your grace. We come to you uh, once again needing your forgiveness and your mercy that you offer and the good news of Jesus. And we take a moment to confess to you that we have all sinned this past week, this past morning. We just confess to you in our hearts now the sins that we've committed, selfishness and, and impurity and lustful thoughts and all sorts of things where we put ourselves and our desires above yours. And we thank you, Lord, that that's not what Jesus did. We thank you that unlike all of us, Jesus never sinned, that he lived a perfect life and he ministered to those around him, but then he died a death that he didn't deserve. He died for us so that the, the, the weight of wrath that we deserve went on him instead of us. And we come to you and we just hide in the blood of Christ. We pray you would wash us clean because of his sacrificial gift. He is our pure and perfect sacrifice. And we pray that you would give us hope and life and the, the forgiveness that you offer and the new life that we experience in Jesus. We praise you and continue to worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 And because of what Christ has done in dying on the cross for our sins and because he has risen again, we are comforted and we know that, um, that God will continue to, to grace us, to give us grace when we fall. And so would you stand to your feet and let's proclaim uh, to everyone around you and anyone who's in earshot that it is because he lives that we can face tomorrow.
Good morning. Turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8, verse 18. We're going to read to verse 22. If you're following along in the Pew Bible, Bible, excuse me, it's page 861, 861 in the Bible that's in front of you. We started last week a series on the miracles of Jesus found in Matthew chapter 8. It's interesting as we're walking along and going through these miracles that Jesus stops and gives kind of a warning to those who are following him don't be so amazed at my miracles that you don't understand the cost of following me that's what jesus warns us kind of along the way we're going to read a lot more miracles that are coming but jesus had a message for all of us as we seek to follow him so let's read uh, verse 18 to 22. When Jesus saw a large crowd around him, he gave the order to go to the other side of the sea. A scribe approached him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus told him, Foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Lord, another disciple said, first let me go bury my father. And Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you in these words that we come to, we know, God, that through your son Jesus, as he spoke them, he 
had a message for his hearers then, but he has a message for us today. May we peer into our own sinful hearts this morning, and may the word cut to the quick and cut everything out that is selfish and not of you, sinful and not of you, unholy and not of you. And Lord, as we come to your word, we want to grow as a believer. And so, Lord, as we consider these words of Jesus, may we consider what it means to be a follower who is faithful to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Imagine a young man who goes into the army recruiter's office and and is eager to go serve in the army. And he sort of listens and he and, and he's sure sure let's go and he he goes down to basic training and the first thing out of his mouth when he comes uh, to uh, his uh, drill sergeant is uh, sir sir uh, when when do we get the uniform and by the way when do we get the medals because really the reason why that I signed up is so that I look good and that I can get the medals and oh, oh by the way um, you know, I have a, a trip planned for three weeks, so what's the, the time off policy? Uh, I'm just kind of curious because I'd love to, to be able to make that trip. And, uh, and then while, when he's on the gun range, you know, he's like, oh, by the way, is, is this on the test? Imagine the drill sergeant's reaction. Uh, don't say anything because it's probably not <laughs> consumption for here on Sunday morning. But you can imagine that what he would say to him is, is, sir, this is, we're not here signing up for medals. We're here to serve. And of course, these things are on the test because the test is not pass or fail. It's whether you get to return home or not. If you're not willing to commit and do what it takes to serve, working hard, risking your life for your country, serving for your other soldiers, you are not army material. A person who simply wants to be able to say that they're army without doing what all it entails simply doesn't deserve to be called a soldier. And in the same way, this is how we find Jesus' words here this morning. If we're willing to just serve Jesus in name only and not willing to do what it costs to be a follower of Jesus, then we're really not worthy being called a follower of Jesus. This is how the passage begins. You know, after giving the greatest sermon in the history of the world, and then following it up, as we read last week, three separate healings, three separate miracles, the untouchables healed with a touch, a leper, a servant, a woman, Jesus started to draw a crowd, we read here in verse 18. But unlike maybe many even Christian celebrity pastors today, Jesus, instead of saying, make, let me make it easier, Jesus wanted to give a warning. Jesus is not interested in drawing a crowd. He's not interested in just having many as people follow him as possible. Jesus wants true followers he is interested in the leper and the centurion and peter's mother-in-law all those who called him lord and jumped to serve him in other words jesus is interested in making disciples 
Now, the passage before us is much a passage of discipleship. And as people witnessed the mighty deeds of Jesus, people wanted to come and be part. They started to see his authoritative teaching and now his authoritative healing. And many were starting to be just like many fanatics of teams or celebrities started to say, I kind of want to be a part of that. I want what's ever part of that movement but even more than that what does that bring me and seeing this jesus had to explain what discipleship entails he wanted no everyone to un, not to underestimate the cost of following him because people may want to follow jesus only on their own terms but friends what we will learn is jesus if he's authoritative enough to heal and authoritative enough over nature, then he also exercises authority over his disciples. And discipleship is not on our terms, it's on his. Both of them, these people come to Jesus declaring that they're ready to follow him. In many ways, his response seems harsh. The reason his responses are harsh because these people were kind of like that army recruit, recruit. They weren't ready to make the kind of commitment following him required. D.A. Carson observed in many cases of the hearts of people who have followed Jesus but not persevered. He says, little has been done to harm the witness of Christian church than the practice of filling it with the ranks of every volunteer who is willing to make a little profession talk fluently of experience but display display little of perseverance see jesus was trying to teach those disciples as well as us today what it really means to be a follower that lasts and a follower of jesus is more than just calling yourself a christian it's being willing to count the cost and do everything that king jesus tells us to do in this passage there are three realities of the cost of following jesus number one if you're taking notes on your phones or on your bulletin the cost of following is unconditional trust the cost of following is unconditional trust well the first person that comes and approaches jesus is an example is a scribe in those days he was an expert a teacher of the law one who was esteemly highly esteemed in society because he was an expert at the written law they would come to him to to find out things now he comes to jesus and says teacher he's on good terms he he is ascribing to jesus someone of value but if you look in the gospel of jesus five times Jesus is called teacher by people, and all five of those are revealed to not becoming a disciple. We might ask, though, look at his response. Yes, he calls him teacher, and he even says this, I'm willing to follow you wherever you want to go. This is a, a great claim. And it's even hard today to find someone, let alone an academic like a scribe, who would be willing to state publicly their willingness to follow Jesus. But Jesus' reply knows that he has understood his heart. Apparently, Jesus detected that the teacher of the law envisioned 
that this connection to Jesus would mean actually more for the scribe than it would be to follow Jesus. That it would mean more a secure stability, even perhaps privilege. Because Jesus tells the man, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus tells the man that following him will not even guarantee a roof over the man's head. In other words, if you follow me, I've all you got. And that should be enough of a follower. This potential disciple needs to learn that Jesus is worthy of unconditional trust, even if it means giving up earthly security and comfort. You see, Jesus had no faith in this man's faith because he knew that at the heart of this scribe's bold declaration was self-love, not self-denial. A desire for power, not a willingness to be powerless without a home, esteem, and possibly a life. Following Christ may mean losing everything that this world affords. Matter of fact, J.C. Ryle thought of this way. He said, it is not open sin or open unbelief which robs Christ of his professing servants. So much as the love of the world, the fear of the world, the cares of the world, the business of the world, the money of the world, the pleasures of the world, and the desire to keep in touch with the world. This is the great rock on which thousands of young people are continually making shipwreck. They do not object to any article of the Christian faith. They do not deliberately choose evil and openly rebel against God. They hope somehow to get to heaven at last, and they think it proper to have some religion. But they cannot give up their idol. They must have the world. And so after running well and bidding fair for heaven while boys and girls, they turn aside when they become men and women and go down the broad way which leads to destruction. They begin with Abraham and Moses and end with Demas and Lot's wife. Friends, this is a problem that we see in our culture today, especially in the teachings of the prosperity gospel that many hear and listen on the airwaves or read in books that are sweeping across, unfortunately, many areas of the world. The prosperity gospel sees that Jesus is a means to an end, a way to get something back of benefit. You come to Jesus to get health or wealth or prosperity or anything that you want. Just fill in the blank. But the problem is, is that you shouldn't come to Jesus to get stuff. You come to Jesus to get Jesus. You may lose everything in this world because he is enough. Americanized Christianity has fooled us into thinking that Christianity is about comfort. But Jesus said Christianity is about the cross. And that we are willing to sacrifice and die for self. And comfort is not something we should try to attain. Let me ask you, brother and sister, is there something that you are choosing now as comfort 
instead of what God has called you to be faithful. Dr. Angela Liu was a professor in Hong Kong and a Christian, and she saw that that Christianity had become, in her country, a a middle-class movement. That, In other words, it wasn't reaching those who are wealthy, and it wasn't reaching those who were poor. And so to help and find out how she might be part, and her church might be a better part of reaching those who are poor, she gave up her job to go work for several months as a seamstress in a factory. She learned their dialect, their values, their needs, their heroes, their alienation, their work-induced sickness, their laborers that they endured. And friends, she paid the price, giving up her comfort so that she might be part of bearing fruit of the gospel to those who need it. Maybe for you and your family, God is calling you to greater obedience greater things in the kingdom more commitment in the church but you have allowed something of comfort to stay and stand in the way maybe even now it's just the comfort of your schedule it's easy it fits you and you don't want anything to change but maybe God's calling you to change your schedule to give up some so that you might be part of a life group or a D group or be part of gospel to every home. Maybe it's your, your budget. You've made it that it's comfortable and it's keeping you from being obedient in your faithfulness to give your tithes and offerings. Maybe it's just something that you know that God is calling you to, to share the gospel in your neighborhood, workplace, or school. But your comfort has become your idol. Well, this scribe wanted, came to Jesus to attain something. And Jesus said, if you come to me, you get me. And that should be all that matters. Brother and sister, don't let the comfort or the idol that you seek be the thing that keeps you from Jesus. To be a disciple, you must trust God and do the things that are not comfortable. Number two, the cost of following Jesus is undivided affection. Undivided affection. In verse 21, we see a new person seemingly agreeing to the first person's claim that I will follow you wherever you want to go. But this one says, Lord, first let me go bury my father. And Jesus said, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead first if the first person was too quick to promise to follow jesus and not counting the cost this prospective disciple was too hesitant he wanted to follow jesus but not now he wanted to follow jesus but when it was easy he wants permission to suspend the duties of discipleship to discharge what seemed to him as a higher duty of providing a proper burial for his parents. Now, we might read this and cringe a little. Is Jesus really telling us not to respect and obey and serve our family? Jesus' demand might not be what it seems. You see, the state of this man's father is unspecific. He may have already died. He might have been close to death. He may be sick and on death's door, 
he may already be dead but if he had died even that day and in the way that their uh, their culture was he would have been buried immediately so there was not really an immediate uh, drive for him to go do this it could have been that many in that day did a second burial which was a year post-death and so maybe he was trying to make plans for this second burial no this man merely just wants to delay di discipleship maybe for years Jesus replies follow me and let his the dead bury his own dead this is a metaphor the dead by definition cannot do anything right he means let the spiritually dead care for the spiritually dead for matters of this world such as burials and aging parents Jesus concern in verse 22 is not so much to forbid those following him to go to funerals in the nearest uh, uh, time as it is to expose the dangers of convenient discipleship Jesus regularly teaches that the kingdom has new values new relationships new desires and nothing is more important than following Jesus Jesus taught this often as a matter of fact he used something similar later in the gospel of Matthew in Matthew chapter 10 he is more clear he says for I came to turn a man against his father a daughter against her mother a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's enemies will be the members of his household the one who loves a father or mother more than me is not worthy of me the one who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever doesn't take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Anyone who finds his life will lose it. And anyone who loses his life because of me will find, find it. Friends, you can't love anything more than Jesus. Some who read these lines have made difficult and costly decisions. Some have said, I can't even do this jesus words were not to say i immediately unlove your family what he's saying is is when it comes to obedience when it comes to the kingdom we know that members of the family some are going to be saved and some are not and there's going to be a time when you are going to have to choose to follow me rather than your family tradition rather than approval from your mother rather than approval from your friends and you can't seek affections of this world, but instead seek my affection, and you'll find it in abundance. You can't love anything more than Jesus. And friends, there are many people that I know that have cost a lot in following Jesus. The approval of their family, the approval of their friends. Just this past week, I read that there was a wife and son of an evangelist a Christian who joined with other family members to burn him to death because he was a Christian. That man knew that following Jesus would cost him everything, including his life. But how often, brothers and sisters, we in this country would cry persecution and not one are surrounded by anyone with gasoline or a match. We might be followed with down, disapprovals on Facebook or we might, be, we might lose certain things. 
But how often do we shy away from sharing the gospel just because we are afraid of losing the approval of a friend? How often do we shy away from religious or gospel conversations because we don't want to be that guy or that girl who brings up Jesus all the time? And oftentimes, following Jesus means taking stances that we know will go against our unbelieving family and friends. I personally know that I have, have had difficult conversations with family members who wanted me to, to do a wedding because they really wanted a pastor as a prop instead of saying they wanted their marriage to be about Jesus. And those are hard conversations. But as a minister of the gospel, I know who my allegiance is to. How often do we know that we must be faithful to Jesus over the approval of others? How often do we look at our Christianity as a matter of convenience instead of faithfulness? A matter of easiness instead of sacrifice? One tragedy of this world was the man who had given his life for his faith. But imagine this, he opened his eyes to Jesus. And friends, when you're willing to do anything for Jesus, you find his full approval and true affection. Not this world, not our status, not anything, but he is worth it in the end. Finally, number three, we follow the Son of Man who is worth it all. We follow the Son of Man who is worth it all. How interesting, and I buzzed through this very quickly, but notice in the first person who approached Jesus that Jesus said, the Son of Man, let me find it in my, my scripture here, he says, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Interesting to note, this is the first time that Jesus refers to himself in the, this gospel as the Son of Man. This title, Son of Man, is not to show himself in humanity, but instead of the one who is coming in glory as prophesied in Daniel chapter 7. Jesus goes on to clarify in Matthew 26, 64, when he says, You have said it, Jesus told him, but I tell you, in the future you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the cloud of heaven. Jesus is declaring who he is, that he is the Son of Man, he is the one to come, that he is the one who, yes, heals the sick, heals the blind, that gives life to the dead, but is coming and has authority over all things, over injury, over sickness, over death, and over his disciples. And it is Jesus, in the end, that is our reward because he is coming back for his own. It is he who is going to take us in glory. It is he that is worth it all and if we are a follower of jesus we know that in the end this is our portion and our prize he is our grand reward he is the author and perfecter of our faith he is the alpha and omega and he is the one on all our future in eternity is worth it and in knowing this 
that we must trust in him and follow him as Savior and Lord. Now, I am sure that there is a question that has been raised as you think through this because you say, Pastor, I have heard on numerous occasions that you have said that for salvation is by faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone. Why should we even consider the fact that we must have a cost of our salvation or that we as a follower know that there is something that we must be faithful in? Well, brother or sister, if you understand the gospel, you would understand that the result of our faith results in a salvation that works. You see, we are in him a disciple, a follower. And it is we know by faith alone that saves. Our works does not save us. We can be acquitted before the bar of God's justice only by the work of Jesus. We can only be saved by the grace given to us, paid on the cross by Jesus. We know that it is only by faith we obtain the works and the victory and the reward of Jesus. But this does no mean, mean that it counts the cost of following him. It does mean that there is a cost. It means that once we receive this glorious grace of God and we have been made new we show who we follow in thankful response and praise in how we live Tim Keller has a great illustration he says there is a person who has maybe consider this yourself that you have a disease that there's only one cure in the world and that cure is something that you can't leverage your entire Value, monetary value, you can't sell your house, your cars, cash out retirement, get a loan. In your financial state, there is no way for you to receive this life-saving treatment. But word spreads, and your neighbor sacrifices it all for you to receive this treatment. It saves you miraculously you're changed you're made new you're a new person you would know that this person has done everything it can to do something that you can't how would you then respond to that neighbor well they gave me a gift thank you see a Christmas card here in the future you would not respond in that way you would do whatever that neighbor wanted. You would be knocking on their door. Hey, how can I help you today? What, what do you need? Do you, you need me to mow your grass? Do you need me to watch the kids? What do you need from me? Because you have given it all for me. I am overwhelmed by your love. I'm overwhelmed by your grace. Let me do whatever I can because I love you. In the same way, us as Christians who have received grace 
We know that Jesus paid it all. But we know to all to him we owe. The biblical salvation is paid for by someone else. In that sense, it is free. But living out our salvation demands repentance, personal death to self-interest, principal submission to the lordship of Jesus Christ. These are not meritorious acts in which we earn our salvation. Instead, it is our life-giving response to a Savior who has died for us. Salvation that has been paid for and therefore free nevertheless works in our lives so powerfully that it transforms us, confronts our will, demands our devotion and allegiance, and calls forth our deepest commitments. So brother and sister, are you willing to count the cost and follow Jesus? Are you a true follower of Jesus? Well, here's the good news. Today, by faith, you can become a true follower of Jesus. You can trust in his works, see that he died on the cross, believe that he rose again, and know that it is in him that all life is, and you can pledge your trust and faith in him, that you can repent of your sins, rejecting your sinful life, and turning to Jesus, and by faith, claiming your salvation in him. Maybe there are others of us, you dear brother or sister in Christ, that as the years have gone on, that you've not been so faithful. Maybe you've crept into comfort. Maybe you've even seen Jesus as something to gain instead of your salvation. Whatever it is, consider the call to follow Jesus. Consider what it means not just to follow him from a distance, but to be a follower who is faithful. What is that in your life this morning? In just a few minutes, we're going to ascribe to each other the Lord's Supper, and we are going to proclaim until he comes again all that he has done for us. The question is, how much are you willing to, to do to follow and sacrifice for him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this reminder of Jesus not to be just caught up with all the benefits, then there are many love and grace and help and hope, but Lord, I pray that as we uh, come to him and understand what it means to follow Jesus, that, that we find, he finds us faithful. So God, I pray that if there's anything in our lives today that we would repent, that we would take the steps to remove any hindrances that would be to be faithful. And Heavenly Father, today, if there's someone here that does not know you and has not become a follower by faith, that today they are overwhelmed by a Savior who loved them even in the depths of their sin, that he went all the way to the cross and died for them. And that though the cost of discipleship might be great, that we have heaven to gain and Jesus as our reward and that he is worth it all. We pray that God, by faith, they would respond right now and trust you as Savior and Lord.
We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet and respond in faith and in obedience. church 
and so uh, we want to honor her and her family and, uh, uh, and especially be around Carolyn. I know that there's a, a meal thing out there for her, so if you'd like to uh, participate in helping Carolyn in that way, uh, please do so. One other thing before uh, I transition to the offering, our friends at Crossway have donated, just as they donated the other uh, books that we have been given, is this wonderful, absolutely phenomenal resource called Praying the Bible by Donald Whitney. It is an unbelievable, easy resource to help fuel your prayer life. Uh, it is a way for to help you learn to read your Bible and pray it. Uh, one of the great ways to pray to the Lord is just pray his words back to him. And so he teaches through this how to pray, uh, pray the scriptures and have that as part of your devotional life. If, you wanna, if you've never thought about it or seen it, I encourage you to pick up this free resource. It's across the hallway. There's tons. Uh, we just encourage you to get one per family and, uh, and then uh, uh, read it. It is a wonderful uh, way to enhance your personal devotion. Uh, to, now we're going to take our offering and uh, we know that the Lord has given us much and one of the ways of discipleship is uh, of giving of our tithes and offerings and so you can do that electronically on the uh, thing that is uh, there is one in your pew but there's also one there on the screen you can scan that and give electronically those of you at home or you can uh, give as the offering plates come around uh, if you've already given electronically or already given today, let's just thank God for what he's done in our lives to provide for us. And so we can use this opportunity of worship to be thankful to him. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful opportunity to give of all that we have received. God, you have given us your son, Jesus. You have given us life. You have given us provisions to care for us. And so, Lord, we know that you ask for some in return to show our uh, discipleship obedience and that we faithfully follow so lord as we give we pray that you would bless the giver as well as multiply the gift that many across the world will be blessed through it in jesus name amen amen we're gonna learn a new song while we're doing this so as they're passing the plates listen to the verse and the chorus and i'll have you stand up and sing with us after we're done passing plates Jesus Christ, the crucified, risen, reigning at the Father's side, is foolishness to those who cannot see, blinded by the lies that they believe. So let the church arise. Let the anthem ring Till all the world has heard Of Christ the risen King The song of the redeemed Only we shall see The hope of all the world Is Christ the risen King We, we are not ashamed for the gospel is the power of God to save. We, we are not ashamed. For we have no other Savior to proclaim. 
life, the truth, the way. Would you stand to your feet? Let's sing this together. The enemies of God are in a rage. Opposing Him, their efforts are in vain. Through every age, the gospel will endure. The Spirit's with the church forevermore. So let the church arise. Let the anthem ring Till all the world has heard Christ the risen King The song of the redeemed Only we shall sing The hope of all the world Is Christ the risen King We, we are not ashamed for the gospel is the power of God to save. We, we are not ashamed. For we have no other Savior to proclaim. We, we are not ashamed. For we have a sure foundation in His grace. Yes, we, we are not ashamed. For we have a great salvation in His name. Christ alone, the life, the truth, the way. Christ alone, the life, the truth, the way. Christ alone, the life, the truth, the way. Amen. You may be seated. Let me first give instruction, and then we'll prepare our hearts. Again, hopefully you can find some uh, elements. Uh, they're all together. There is a uh, there are two things to pull. There is a clear cellophane on top, so you want to make sure you pull that first because otherwise it'll be very hard to peel them apart later. And then there's a pink one that opens to the juice. So those are your instructions. Uh, as you consider taking the Lord's Supper, please refrain if you're not a baptized believer and member of good standing in a local church. And please refrain any unbelieving children as we partake, for this is those who are baptized believers come to the Lord's table. So let us pray and use this opportunity. I'll give you just a few moments uh, to confess any sin, uh, prepare your heart, uh, think if there's anything that you need